You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Podcast. I guess we'll call this one the uh, Hot Enough For Ya edition. My name is Oz Davis. I'll be your co-host for the show. Joining me, as always, is Joe Pritchard. Joe, are you sweating balls up there in Wisconsin? It was worse last week, but yeah, it's not It's not exactly uh, frozen here. So uh, <laughs> the, John Facenda is going to have to wait for a few months. Okay, so you're in the thawed tundra up oh, there. Very, very much so. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, well, also heating up, I guess we can say, is the CFL. Now, we're um, a quarter of the way through the season. We're a little bit past that, actually. Well, I guess everybody's got five games. So let's call this we're a quarter of the way through the season. Or there's three quarters of the seasons left, depending on whether you're optimistic or pessimistic. We're almost to the one-third mark after this week. Yeah, how about it? Uh, how, so how are you seeing things breaking down, Joe? Usually we, we like to talk about these things in tiers. Now, clearly, you know, as most folks predicted, we've got Winnipeg. By the way, what, 5-0 and for the first time in 49 years? Did I see that correct? 59 years? Yeah, 59 years then. 59 years. Wow. First first time to start the season this well. Obviously, they're in the top tier. Obviously, Hamilton Tiger Cats are in the top tier. Do you see anyone else competing with these two teams right now? At this, at this exact moment, in this snapshot of time, those are the two top teams in the league. Okay. And Calgary and Edmonton and Montreal are on the tier below them because Calgary is obviously operating without bow, and they're mm-hmm. playing well enough to stay competitive and stay in the race. Right. But they're not scaring anybody right now. Well, we talked about this. If if Bo went down for six games, what success? Three and three, right? So they're, what, two and oh right now? Uh, two and one, I want to say. Two and one. Okay. All right. Yep. So well on pace for three and three. Okay, go on. Right. So they're they're doing okay. I mean, they're still hanging in there, but they're not they're not a they're not a team that you look at the schedule right now and go, please God, don't have them play us at the moment. <laughs> in a few weeks, that could change. But right right now, you're looking at it and going, this isn't quite the same Calgary team. Uh, Edmonton, same thing. It's still not the team you want to see on your schedule. You want to see Toronto, but. You see them and you go, well, at least it isn't Winnipeg. <laughs> and then Montreal, oh. maybe they're the ones where you look at it and go, they're playing pretty hot right now. Might not be the time to play them. But I'm still not putting them in the top tier yet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not run away with ourselves now uh, about the Alouettes. I mean, we're going to be talking a lot of Alouettes later on, but this is the first time they've won three meaningful games in a row since what? I think 2014 is what I wrote down here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, since 2014. Now, they did win three in a row. They closed out 2016 with three straight wins, but at that point, they were basically mathematically eliminated from the playoffs already, had nothing to lose, were playing second strings uh, through that run. So, uh, this is, I don't want to say historical, that would be overdoing it, but this is certainly um, refreshing for the Montreal fans, and with uh, Toronto and uh, Ottawa you know, falling off, and I don't see much hope for improvement there. 
Uh, Montreal's in a nice spot just by being in dint of the East. That helps, too. Uh, and, you know, the one team I'm really having a hard time placing right now is Saskatchewan. Yep. Yep. It's like they don't yep. really fit nicely into the three tiers we're talking no. about. No, 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 because it's clearly they're better than the teams that they are beating, which are the Ottawa's and Toronto's of the world, but um, and the BC's of the world. Uh, we'll be talking about that later on as well. But, uh, yeah, I don't really see them competing against the big boys. Um, I guess it's a little bit too early to be talking playoffs, but I don't think it's going to take long for Winnipeg, for example, to clinch a spot. I don't think it's going to take long for Hamilton to clinch a spot. I mean, not exactly mathematically, but realistically <laughs> in the playoffs. So let's say Winnipeg ends out in the one. You're not really afraid of Edmonton upsetting you, even if they reach their maximum, are you? I don't know if I am, because mm -hmm. it feels like there is a formula to beating Edmonton right, right now. Right. That's what I was going to say, too. It looks like Winnipeg solved them, because Montreal basically did the same thing this week against them, except a little bit better, because they have a way better secondary. But... Let's not digress too further. Let, let's talk more about the tiers as we go later on into the season. Right now, Winnipeg-Hamilton 1-2, clearly. Uh, let's talk last week's game. Started off with <laughs> not a very exciting game. However, I note that Calgary did not cover that, uh, what is it, 13-point spread that the book had given them. Calgary Stampeders 26, Toronto Argonauts 16. You know, the headlines are going to be all about the Stampeders' defense, and yeah, they forced a lot of turnovers, four interceptions, two fumbles, but I don't think Toronto is going to win the turnover battle with anyone this year. Uh, not not more than once, that's for sure. Um, Joe, you're usually the optimist on this show. Can you say anything positive about Toronto's season going forward? I'm having a hard time with that. I really <laughs> am. Uh, it, they don't have a quarterback. The, at least a top-tier quarterback. You can say what you want about uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. He's a guy that I'm wor I, I would I would worry about him being my backup and getting three to three and three, much right. less being the guy that's going to try to carry you at this point. Um, James Franklin isn't stepping into that role either, and what else do they have? I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and they're in the worst position for quarterbacks in this league right now. Oh, even worse than Ottawa. I would I would <laughs> say so because at least there is some hope that Davis de develops and learns as he's when he comes back from injury. Right. There's some hope right. at, there because you haven't at, seen him play for ten, fifteen starts at this point. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I mean, at least they have bodies in uh, <laughs> in uh, over there in Ottawa, but she's wow. <laughs> Toronto is a bad situation. Uh, and and the, the, the sad thing, the really sad thing about the Toronto situation is we've talked about this during the games before is you can just see the wind go out of their sails whenever the, whenever something goes wrong. I mean, in this case, it was when Bethel Thompson threw the interception in the first quarter, you know, putting together eh, something of a drive and then throws the bad interception. You know, with, without contest, this thing was picked off by, I believe it was Roberson the, that time. Um, you know, just an easy throw. And after that, it was done. It was done. They were out of it. Yeah, at one point, the score was 11-9 to 9 on the scoreboard. 
but you could just see – I mean you don't have to be a body language expert to see just these guys deflated. Well, no, they, they need a full house cleaning at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, they're going to get it. Yeah. I, I don't – and it's not going to be Corey Chamblin's fault, but he's going to take the fall for this eventually because Jim Pop, Pop is going to take the fall for this eventually. Yeah, Because well, really, what has Jim Pop done in the last decade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, look, he backed the team into that great cup, dude. Yeah. That was the thing. That was the thing. Uh, you know, he had, I mean, he had a decent team, 500 team, you know, but they just got lucky and, and won the great cup. Uh, if they hadn't, he might have been out of there after that season. But instead, he's been sleepwalking through a couple of years. Um, you know, the, the one thing to his credit was building the team in Montreal after Baltimore, you know. That was it. That yeah, was and, it. That, and that wasn't exactly the easiest job in the world. Because no. I remember we were talking way back, way back. I don't even, I, this might be even two or three years ago. We were talking to Quinn Magnuson about that, his experiences there, where they had to take away a lot of the American talent that they had right. and replace it with Canadians when they moved up there and the and just the issues between the American contingent and the Canadian contingent because the Canadian contingent was taking jobs from the friends of the Americans. Right, 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 right. And right. for him to get step into that situation, keep them fairly competitive for some time before they were able to find replacements for a lot of their stars and then still rolling, yeah, that, that was definitely an accomplishment, but that accomplishment happened all a long time ago now. Right. Right, that was the '90s, for God's sake. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so Toronto in sorry shape. Next game up. All right, Joe. Here we go. Um, you're hoping this becomes a frequently occurring occurrence. <laughs> wow, that was well put by me. Yeah, wordsmith there. Winnipeg Blue Bombers 31, Ottawa Red Blacks one. What an awesome Canadian score. Joe, tell us about your bombers this week. What'd you like? I like the fact that they stepped on Ottawa immediately and just squeezed the life out of them. Well, I mean, they only outscored them what three to nothing in the second half, right? Right. So they took the they took the foot off. They they were merciful. Let's put it that way. They took the foot off the pedal a little bit. Um, yeah. Okay. They never, great. They never let up though. Uh, it felt like they let up the week before, but it didn't feel like they let up necessarily in the second half. Uh, they just play. They just kept continuing to play great defense. Uh, they kept they kept moving the ball. It felt like they just weren't scoring anymore for some reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, on the Ottawa side, there's not much good you can say. John Jennings was just brutal. I mean, this was just bad. John Jennings by far six. Of 15 for 45 yards or something like that. I don't even remember the exact yardage. He was replaced by a guy named Will Arndt. You know, with him, with him, the Red Blacks aren't much better, as they say. Uh, I did my research on this guy because, wow, um, I had never heard of the guy. Do you know anything about this guy, Joe? This, this is a, a an amazing story. Uh, he, this guy's out of Division Three, Western Connecticut. Graduated in 2015, and he hasn't played, as far as I can tell, has not played high-level ball since. Um, am I missing something here? I don't really know. We, we'll find out okay. as we go, because 
if I'm Ottawa, and as soon as Dominic Davis is healthy again, uh, Jonathan Jennings is out the door for me. He, his career arc, minus an NFL visit after his great season in BC, reminds me very much of Casey Printers. It was mm. a shooting star, and then, well, what happens to shooting stars? They, they flame out. They flame out, and that's exactly yep. what's happening to Jennings, and it's sad because you can see the talent, but at this point, if he hasn't harnessed it, he's never going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's what I was thinking is is this is the end, you know, for John Jennings. Wow. I, I wouldn't have believed it. If you had told me this two years ago, a year and a half ago, I never would have believed it. Never would have believed it was possible, but here we are. Um, well, I don't know, don't know what to say. I guess the worst part of this game is, you know, Lewis Ward didn't even get on the field. Um, we could throw some more negative stats out there. This is the second game this season that Ottawa has gone without an offensive touchdown, and it's the third in a row that they haven't had a passing touchdown. So this means that what now? It's been like week three since week three that they've actually scored a passing touchdown. Um, hey, can you say anything good about the Red Blacks, Joe? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. Let's yeah, move probably on. Probably just better to move on at this point. Let's move on. Looking for him right now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a race to the bottom of the East there between those two teams. Right. Let's yeah, go well, on to the game. I, I, I want to talk. About. I have something positive okay. to say. Okay. Ottawa let Toronto get a head start on the race to the bottom. There yeah, we that... go. There's the positivity. <laughs> well, they still have Lewis Ford. Right. Let's get to the game I want to talk about. Macha Alouette's 20. Edmonton Eskimos 10. Never a doubt in this game. On top of that, highlights with Ron Black doing a classic forecasting the right down Main Street on a wide right. <laughs> well, actually just grazing the goalpost right as it turned out. Great threat of violence. Propagated by Dwayne Ford against Mr. Black, offering 20 bucks to a retired MMA fighter to hit him, <laughs> if only. Threatening to replace Rod in the third quarter with a guest in the booth. Fantastic stuff out of Dwayne Ford. But let's talk about the game. Again, like we talked about earlier, I think that Montreal uh, applied the blueprint that Winnipeg had set up. You know, you're going to let. You're going to let Trevor Harris go for his 67% in this game completion rate. You're going to let him complete those short passes, that 5.5 yards per play, if necessary. Luckily, the Alouette's secondary is probably, I would say it's the best in the league at this point. Better than Winnipeg's as well. You know, got the two big interceptions. And on top of everything else, Edmonton just shot themselves in the feet, I guess, <laughs> with these penalties. Two interceptions taken away, seven other penalties in the game, and nine is low for this team this season, who are leading the league by a wide margin in penalties. Um, okay, now, Joe, you see the Eskimos as still on that tier, but are these faults, the lack of big plays and the tendency for big penalties, going to kill these guys in the end? Well, that's why they're not going to win at all. They have a ton of talent. It's obvious mm -hmm. to see that. Mm -hmm. But they commit too many penalties, and their offensive game plan can be stopped by a team that will play deep, 
and can tackle, come up and tackle on the short passes. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, you're going to beat Edmonton. And yes. that's what Montreal did. That's what Winnipeg did. Now, yep. Edmonton's going to run roughshod over teams that aren't very good. See the BC Lions. I'm mm. sure if they got a chance, hack at Toronto. Have they? I'm not sure yet. Uh, but they're going to beat the teams below them, and they're going to beat them handily because they have a ton of talent. But they're not doing anything to, well, to be more consistent. They need to be more consistent, and they need to be a little bit more of a threat downfield before they're going to be real true contenders in my eyes. They got to take shots, don't they? They got to take shots. I mean, look, in this one, again, like like Harris is 67.4% precisely. Uh, CJ Gable didn't really get going. Okay, so this is a team that has a league-leading 5.5-something going into this game. 5.5-something yards per play, any sort of play, right? In this one, they're around 5.2-something, and they lose, right? Don't they have to, like, I mean, and the two interceptions were good interceptions. I mean, this was not like in the Toronto game where it was a gimme. It was a looky what I found kind of thing. No, no, none of that. These were proper interceptions. They had to work for that. Okay, so again. Don't they have to go for the big play once in a while? Don't they just have to roll the dice once in a while? A little bit more so than they're doing anyway. Uh, they yeah. Did make, they did have that. Uh, it was a game of trick plays, too. They Both teams threw right. uh, flea flickers into the mess, mix. And right. They both ended up working pretty well for them. Uh, Montreal scoring the touchdown. Edmonton getting a long pass for a pass interference call. Uh, I just feel like yep. they need to go downfield a bit more often. You need to be able to uh, keep teams from being able to collapse on you inside and short. If they if teams can't do that, if teams have to stay back on their heels just a little bit, those short passes start being more like the Ricky Collins play, where he took the ball on a short pass and took off and went for, what was it, 40-some yards? I want to say 43. Uh, or 49, 49, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that that was their longest play of the season, I believe, at 49 yards. Oh, yeah, no, except for the 77-yarder. That's right, on the busted play. Um, Right, so, I, yeah, I just want to point out, I love the trick play by Montreal. I think this needs to happen. Vernon Adams, I think, is not much of a big play guy either, although they can do one once in a while like that, which was awesome. I just want to point out that Eugene Lewis now has as many touchdown passes as the Alouettes uh, starting quarterback at the beginning of the season, Antonio Pipkin. So actually, he has as much as Pipkin and Matt Schultz combined with one. So good on you, Eugene Lewis. You may be one of my favorite quarterbacks right now. Um, Also, once again, good for Montreal was William Stanback. Um, not a lot of yards per carry, but just, you know, it's good to know that we have a running game there again, especially if we don't have the big play quarterback back there. Uh, you know, it's good to know that we have that threat. You saw this in the Toronto game where they got desperate enough that Bethel Thompson was having to throw to Wilder Jr. Right. And it actually worked for a little while, but you know, in, 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 because they have so few threats out of the backfield, but, you know, they have a, they have a capable running back. So just nice that we have Standback on this team. I'm glad for Standback and I'm glad for our secondary. Again, best in the CFL, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's definitely something to build on there. 
And Vernon Adams doesn't look like a classic drop back, going to throw for 300 yards every game. But what he reminds me of is a guy that, more of an 80s to 90s CFL quarterback. Mm -hmm. A guy that's going to be able to get mobile and be a threat both on the ground and through the air, so you don't know which way to commit. He's not going to be a classic guy where he's going to put up a ton of yards each game, but he's going to find ways to win, which is all he's done his whole career. And I hope to God they keep letting him do it until teams figure out how to stop him, if they can. Well, this guy, I believe, it's wild. I was thinking about this today. This guy, I believe, has played for five head coaches in the CFL now. And this seems to be the first guy to 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 use him correctly, right? This is the first time he's mixing it up, right? There is, there was, it was almost like a rhythm because there was two times in the first half when all of a sudden the middle opened up and he ran. And it's like, yes, Vernon Adams is speedy. We saw this in Oregon, right? Um, and, and yet, it, you know, mixing it up with the, with the traditional running play, you know, the pass plays, the reverse, uh, the flea flicker, whatever, you know, I mean, this is how you need to use Vernon Adams, right? They call them a system quarterback in college, of course, because you always get labeled with that coming out of Oregon. And maybe that's kind of the case. You know, maybe if you give this dude a short leash, you can utilize all of his skills. And I really think that's what's happening this season. I mean, we are maximizing Vernon Adams Jr. in Montreal. Yeah, and so far it's working. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. All right. Now, I just got done praising the Montreal Alouette secondary. I was thinking about this too, Joe, uh, before this show. In your tabletop football game out of play.com, that's P-L-A-A-Y.com, could I combine the Saskatchewan defensive front with the Montreal Alouette secondary? I mean, if you wanted to, sure, go ahead. Oh, I would love to do that because, wow, Saskatchewan defense was a thing of beauty in this game. Now, BC Lions offensive line is terrible. I'll talk about that in just a minute, but I'd rather accentuate the positive for once. I mean, what a monster game by Charleston Hughes, eh? How'd you like that show, Joe? <laughs> Given he plays for my rivals, I, don't, I didn't really like it all that much, but that, yeah. should, that should tell you something. He yeah. did pretty darn well. It also tells you something about the, about the BC offensive line. It's awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I'll talk about that in just a minute. And I believe that Hughes had a field day against Riley's Eskimos last year, too. In any case, if Riley isn't having nightmares about this guy before, he is now. Uh, three sacks in this game, just total domination. Now, let's talk about that BC offensive line. Um... About the well, okay. Here, here are the numbers, right? So now they've given up 21 sacks for this season, including four in this game, three by Hughes. Um, but I mean, the numbers can just not say the sort of havoc it's wreaking with this offense. Um, the only time Riley in this offense looked good at all was that opening drive in the third quarter when he was able to get the ball out inside of you know a second and a half. Because that's the only way to run this offense. However, that gets really predictable really quick. You know, you can't be doing that. So, I mean, this team is doomed with this line. I mean, I mean, could this line actually be getting worse at this point? It could very well be. Uh, if, they, if teams are discovering 
ways to exploit their each individual player's weakness. They're going to find a way to make Mike Riley's hell, life hell all season long. <laughs> I mean, apparently it's not going to be difficult. These guys are just... I mean, it seems like they're trying hard, but wow, they just don't have it. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Now, BC is now 0-5. They're playing Saskatchewan again next week. If they lose, that's it, right? I mean, that's in BC, that game. If they lose, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, they are 1-5. Who did they get their win against? I'm trying oh, 1-5 on, on the Rouge against Toronto. Yes, I keep right, against Toronto. <laughs> it's so the one really. asterisk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's the one asterisk five. Um, oh, that's right. They're one in five. So, so they lose next week. They're one in six. Now we saw what Hamilton did and, and a not, couple of years and, ago. And not only are they one in six, they're losing the tiebreaker to the team that's in fourth place. Right. 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 And the team that, by by most folks' estimation, will be fourth place. Saskatchewan, right? I mean, most people figure that it's going to be Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton in that top three at this point. And and plus, you know, the, the thing that's wild is this usually doesn't happen in the CFL, but there's a lot of separation in record already. Yeah, there's, you know, uh, yeah. Sometimes there's a, just a mess in the middle, and maybe right. one or two teams uh, at the extremes. But this year, it's uh, pretty clearly you got the two top teams, you got the two bottom teams, and you got. You got a couple teams in the middle trending one way or the other, but you got a lot. You've already got four out of the nine teams being very clearly separated from the pack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you know of course BC is that is that one rouge away from being o five and one or o and six, and you've got Winnipeg on the top that's undefeated. Now that doesn't happen that often in the CFL, but wow, I, I thought that was really interesting. I also thought it was interesting again. That uh, I believe this week we had no comebacks. Am I correct? We, we there, there was every single one of these games was wire to wire. I believe pretty much, and I would say any any yeah going into the fourth quarter, whoever was leading, right, and that was it, right. I think even going into the half, whoever won the first half won the game. Last week this happened in two out of the four games, so. Any lead is safe is not really safe this year. <laughs> That's not a safe presumption. These teams, the Winnipegs and the Hamiltons of the league, are jumping out to early leads and not losing that lead. You know, this is like the classic uh, Mike Riley Edmonton teams. This is always their secret is get out to that lead and do not relinquish it. That's happening a lot in the CFL this year. Yes, and with the way the teams are stacking up, too, uh, I can see that happening consistently throughout the rest of the season, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, if BC loses this week, you know, they might as well mail it in. They might as well start trying new stuff. Um, same goes for Toronto. Toronto, in their heads, most of these guys are already beaten. Most of these guys are already done for this season. You know, they know they've got nothing at quarterback. And, and I swear to God, some of these guys are giving up. Now, of course, the, you know, these guys always say, oh, you never give up, whatever. But, <laughs> you know, the, the visuals don't lie. In any case, uh, we're going to talk about the future. Let's take a break and we'll be right back after a few seconds of music. Okay, 
Fight Through CFL podcast. My name is Oz Davis. I'm your co-host. My co-host is Joe Pritchard. Let's talk next week's games. All right. We've got ah, we've got an interesting schedule. At least we got four games again next week. Always like to see that in the CFL. We start the week again with Calgary, who are five and a half point favorites at Ottawa. Now, again, this line might be a lot bigger because I think that Calgary is probably more than a touchdown better than Ottawa, but they're just not scoring a lot of points this season. And last week, Vegas got burned. If anybody bet on Toronto, Vegas got burned by giving 13 points to Calgary. Uh, however, I, I think Calgary will win handily. I have not seen enough out of Ottawa lately. I don't believe they have an offense. I'll take Calgary plus a lot. Yeah, I would too. Uh, Ottawa is definitely on the downward spiral at the moment, and I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. All right, here we go. Toronto at Edmonton. Toronto are 11.5 point underdogs. Edmonton, in one of the biggest home field advantages, of course, it's a bit early in the year, so it's not that cold out there yet. Um,. 11.5 points, yeah, Edmonton could probably win by that much, Honjo. Huh, I would say so, too. Uh, again, Toronto is on a downward spiral with no end in sight. And we were just talking about how Edmonton is much, much better than the teams below them. And they're going and they're going to be able to, if they could slash through the, that defense on the short passes, they're going to have a field day. And I think that's exactly what they do, and it's not going to be pretty here's the tier three team versus the tier two team right okay now have you seen the lines on these games joe i have not you're i always okay. wait for you okay here we go now i want you to guess this one winnipeg blue bombers at hamilton tiger cats what would you guess is the line i'm gonna say winnipeg by like two or three really wow good on you winnipeg is a two-point favorite that's shocking to me because I thought for sure Hamilton's going to be favored by a point or two in this game, being the home team. Uh, I'm 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 just playing the numbers here, Joe. I'm going to have to go Hamilton. I'm going to say Hamilton wins in a close one. Uh, it's home team, and again, uh, especially in gambling, <laughs> there comes a point when the numbers get too high. Okay, and it's it wouldn't be outrageous for Hamilton uh, for Winnipeg to be six and zero. But again, you know, it's a question of the numbers. They haven't been this good statistically by the numbers in 61 years. You know, the numbers got to even out sometimes. I'm going to go Hamilton and Hortons. Okay. Uh, I'm going Winnipeg. Uh, uh, again, okay. at some point, Winnipeg's going to lose a game uh, and they won't play that well. But right now, they're on a roll. They're not making mistakes. That's the huge thing that people aren't talking about enough. Winnipeg is not turning the ball over. They're not shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, sometimes the other team no. is stopping them, but that's fine. That's going to happen anywhere. Uh, they're not stopping themselves very often. I just feel like Hamilton will make one or two more big mistakes than Winnipeg will in this one, which is why I'm going with Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you want to talk about a team that rolls the dice. That's Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, these teams, they do take the big shot once in a while. And I will say that Jeremiah Masoli does once in a while make a questionable, let's say, decision out there. Now, you do acknowledge that uh, Winnipeg will lose a game eventually. Yeah, one of, you are saying one of that, these, right? One of these days... 
uh, and it could be, well, I, I already have Labor Day chalked down as a loss because it's Labor Day. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just never going to make that foolish decision again. Uh, but there will be a game or two where Winnipeg comes out against an opponent that they should handle based off of what they're capable of and just not have it that day. I could easily see that happening, say, against Calgary Week 9, or they've got, they're going to Edmonton in Week 11. I could see them just making the mistakes that they haven't made all year and just not having a good day, having a team that's pretty good have one of their better games, and that's just what's going to happen. I can see that. I just, if I'm looking at this one straight up, though, uh, if Winnipeg plays their best game, if Hamilton plays their best game, it's going to be a heck of a matchup. I just think it's more likely that Winnipeg plays their best game than Hamilton does. Yeah, Winnipeg. Oh, I, I wanted to get this one in there first, actually. Okay, so you're willing to take a loss. How about Week 12 at Montreal? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Week 15, Game 12. I'm sorry. How about Week 15 at Montreal? And then Week 18 versus Montreal. You, you can take both of those losses. We would really like those wins, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe they, <laughs> maybe they run into a team, like you're mentioning Montreal offhand, but maybe they just run into a team that found something and gets hot. That could very well happen, too. And that team plays their best game. Winnipeg makes one or two critical mistakes, and that's all it takes. That could very well happen, and it's probably going to happen two or three times this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that'll that'll. I mean, this is definitely the marquee game of the week. This is the definitely the Vogue pick for the Grey Cup in general among CFL fandom and press. So, um, of course, lots of eyes on this one. Now, the Alouettes aren't playing this week. So, before we do this final game, I did want to get this in there because I forgot to brought this up earlier. Um, I am after watching the Alouettes this week. I am delusional enough to imagine a Grey Cup with Montreal in it this season 2019 okay don't don't trick me like that 2019 um look if things continue the way that they do particularly with Ottawa and Toronto playing as badly as they are and even BC playing as badly as they are all it would really take for a quote-unquote miracle appearance in the Grey Cup for the Alouettes would be to upset Hamilton at home in the Eastern Championship and I don't think that's impossible. Hamilton is the team that takes a lot of chances. But let's see what CFL fandom said. <laughs> so I took a poll uh, about how – basically the barometer was how delusional am I for imagining this scenario with the Alouettes in the 2019 Grey Cup. Unfortunately, fairly delusional was the winner at 46% of the votes. But the good news is is that at 46% fairly delusional, I am just about qualified to be president of the United States. Another 11% said I was critically delusional. So 57% of folks who voted in my poll think that I am like too delusional to exist, I guess, in CFL fandom. Uh, the other I, – I, at least I have 30%. On the positive side, I have 30% calling me not so delusional, and another 14 weighed in with Go Alouettes. So clearly that's the Montreal fandom right there weighing in. Um, how delusional am I, Joe? I don't think you're all that delusional. Okay. Uh, let's assume, Assuming this scenario where we, this week, what are we in, week 
six or week seven now. Seven. This snapshot seven. before week seven ends up being the way the standings end up. We're very close to said. You're right. A crossover game at Montreal in the for the first round. Second round at Hamilton. That's doable. As the, it may not it may not be probable. I don't throw. I don't know if I'm betting my house on that or anything. No, of course not. But yeah, of course not. Once you're in the dance, why not? Yeah, I mean, look, if that scenario plays out, the Eastern Championship game is going to be like what you know, Hamilton plus seven and a half plus eight. I mean, they'll be huge underdogs going into that. They'll be going into that at better two to one. I mean, of course, it's against the odds, but I mean, geez, it only takes one game, right? Any given. Saturday or Sunday or Friday, right? I mean, <laughs> anybody can win, right? We've seen crazy things in the CFL playoffs before. I seem to remember like a 127-yard interception return in the snow or something like that. Crazy things happen in the Grey Cup. Crazy things happen in the playoffs. Right. Let's talk about this one then. We're closing off the week with Saskatchewan. <laughs> Three-point favorites at BC. Now, again, I can't believe... For the second time this season, BC is a home underdog. I can't believe it. I, I, I'm i an idiot. I'm an idiot. So I'm going to go to the well again. I'm going to say BC wins. I'll definitely take them plus three. Uh, I, I don't think so. Nope. I, nope. <laughs> I, I'm looking at that plus three and going, why isn't it bigger? <laughs> because Saskatchewan gonna... just pounded them last week. Yeah, they know how to get to Riley. Riley's beat up right now, and yeah. probably shouldn't have played half of that fourth quarter, but he still did. Uh, yeah, I don't see this one turning out well for BC. I don't see the season turning out well for BC at this point. No. Uh, like I, when, in our predictions, I said I believe I said either. I forget which record set I used, but I want to say I said anything between three and six and six and three in the middle of the season wouldn't surprise me. Or maybe I said two and seven and seven and two. Seven and two. But <laughs> this is trending even outside of that. Well, see, then you will be surprised. Then I will be surprised, yes. Because <laughs> then they have the bye next week to get themselves back to some sort of health. Then they're at Hamilton and at Winnipeg. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I'm I'm obviously not serious. I can't possibly go with BC in this game. I mean, I honestly believe, you know, I mean, no football players are breed apart, but I honestly believe there's going to be some Hughesophobia there. There's There's got to be. You don't destroy a team like that and then play them the next week and no effect. It just, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Saskatchewan uh, will probably wreck him again this week, which is incredible. I, I mean, this is the worst I've ever seen BC play at home in years. Years. This decade. It's got to be. It's got to be the worst season at home in a decade. It's got to be. I can't think of a yeah, worst season at home. Yeah, and it's also an afternoon start, too. So mm -hmm. any mm -hmm. sort of thought of late-night home field advantage, right? especially with only no. a one-time zone changeover for Saskatchewan at this point in the year, yeah, yep. not there. Yep. Yeah, not much to look at. Okay, so we're going to be watching the ha Winnipeg Hamilton game. Not much else, I guess. <laughs> I just want to see how quickly. Ugly slate. Uh huh. Yeah, see how quickly Edmonton can cover that 11 and a half. 
to be, be honest, the only drama. I, I, I hope I'm like two and two this week so that there's some surprise in this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but again, man, again, this is a weird year. There's a lot of separation. A lot of separation in CFL this year. A lot of uh, difference in it. And the wild thing is this. If you had told folks, you know, okay, so Saskatchewan is going to be starting Fajardo, you know, and Montreal is going to have Vernon Adams at this time of year. Usually that means our top quarterback is injured. And, in fact, that was the case again this year, you know, and stuff like this. And then you ask them which of these two teams, which of these teams has the better record than BC Lions with Mike Riley, (laughs) you know, I mean – the, such a big deal was made out of the, the big two quarterbacks, you know, re-signing with their teams. And Calgary, they've been playing without theirs for much of the season already, and they're doing, eh, reasonably without him. And BC has been terrible without their all-star quarterback. What gives? Maybe there's something more to this game than just the quarterbacks? How about it, Joe? How about that? Great. On that note, we'll leave it for this week. Joe, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me in my basement, but that might be uh, quite a haul for most of you guys. Uh, so probably best to find me on Twitter at USFL Techmo and the show at RWB Podcast. Okay, so what about your basement then, Joe? Is it this great dingy thing, or is it like a man cave thing? Oh, no. or what? It's my happy place. Uh, I've got Oh, good. It's, it's definitely a finished setup. It's not quite as decked out as I'd like it to be. Speaking of decked out, uh, the our buddy over at the CFL America Twitter handle, you should see his. Holy crap. <laughs> I, I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, so many, many helmets. So much swag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it puts me to nice. sh- complete shame with my few bobbleheads, a couple mini helmets. Yeah, I, I, I've got some room for improvement. Oh, come on, dude. All I got is 47 baseball caps, man. <laughs> no problem. No, I, I can say that as an adult, I've never had a basement. I've never had a basement. So uh, uh, sadly, I've never had a man cave. The best I can hope for is a big-ass desk, which I actually have right now. I have a big L desk with four screens on it. So I'm happy. But that's about the extent of that. In any case, I'm Oz Davis. I'm at OzDavis42 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me talking about Canadian football and all kinds of other stuff there. I'm at other websites too, but for Canadian football, find me there. And for this week, we'll wrap up the Rouge, White, and Blue. Enjoy the games this week. We'll talk to you next week. Go Alouettes. Go Alouettes.